you spend your life in the wilderness and never able to get out of that wilderness, or you will come through that wilderness through the grace of God, and you will walk out into the life that God's called you to live. You know, every one of us here today, each person that's here, is facing their own wilderness. That's life. God sends us into the wilderness the same way that Jesus was led of the Spirit. The Bible said he was pressed into the wilderness. He was pushed into the wilderness. The Spirit of God leads us into the wilderness whereby we may come out not trusting in others but trusting in God. And that's what your wilderness has been made for. It's to bring about a trust in your life that will be unshakable for God's glory. And the Lord uses your wilderness to remove the things that's held us up. God cannot allow a person to be in our life and be the support of our life. The Lord cannot allow things to be in our life and be the, the support of our life. In fact, there is only one that will never fail. Everyone else will fail at some point in your life. You better get used to that. Dealing with rejection is part of life, but God meant it to where it will make us to be and make us to become what God's called us to be. All of a sudden, other people will have no meaning on what they're saying about you, but what God is saying about you will have great meaning. And this is ever much more true the stronger the calling of God is on your life. The the stronger the calling of God is on your life, the more ones that God will have to move out of your life for brief periods of time until we no longer trust in them where we trust in God that is through them. Amen? So God's going to help us. This, This wilderness is life. It's living. Some people think that they're the most rejected person. No, Jesus, the Bible says, was the most rejected person. The Bible says that Jesus faced rejection because God the Father was working in Jesus the same thing that God is working in your life today. God was bringing Jesus to the place where he did not trust in the Peters of his life no more than he trusted in the Judases of his life. God had to bring him to a place where he could only trust in the Heavenly Father in his life. People's going to fail you. They're going to reject you. You're going to be hurt. Those who have the most important place in your life, God has to set it up to where they will fail you, but you will learn to trust in God. And out of that trust in God, God will be able to birth a future for you that he's created to be. Amen. And all of a sudden, the the place that people hold in our life, not that we will love them any less, but we'll understand we can love God more. Amen. I want to talk to you today about Elijah. I want to talk to you about seven steps to overcome discouragement. Because every person in this building is set up to face discouragement. You're led of the Spirit into your own particular wilderness. Kenny, can I give you these two things? You're led of the Spirit into your own wilderness. Now, you can make a choice. You can live in that wilderness for the rest of your life. You can stay in that spirit of discouragement. You can always weep and cry about those that hurt you, those that was misused you, and how life was so bad to you. Or you can understand God's Word is building something in me that's stronger than what I face. And then the wilderness will only be a brief journey. <laughs> 
It's God's will that what you're going through would only be a brief journey, that God will be able to bring you into the promised land, and that's the place that He's called us to live. God has a specific calling on every person's life. God has that which only you can do. God has that which He gives you to do. But He has to remove the props of other people if you're ever going to be able to do it for God. Because God set up your life. Like I said, you don't have to yield that. You can live your life as the tear-jerking country western songs tells us about. You can live your life like that. But there's not a person here that doesn't have reason to cry over what they have went through. But there are those that's determined that God's Word is going to bring me out of this. And I can trust the Lord. I can come to that place in the Lord. I can begin to believe who I am and not what people have tried to say about me. And then God also, but but people say, well, you mean God's going to cut everybody out of your life? No, God's just going to let people fail you so you can come to a place where you can help them and bring you to a place to where God can bring them back into your life and and you can be a saving help for their life for the glory of the Lord. In the Bible, in the book of Kings chapter 19, you can read it on the screen if you like. It said, and when he saw that, now what has happened, what that means when he saw that, that's Elijah he has given himself, he sacrificed himself to see God do wonderful things in the nation. Now, he has given his life, he's sacrificed, he's lived on the side of a brook. He's, he's been fed by the widow lady. He's, he watched miracle after miracle. He stood against the prophets of Baal. He's watched God work miracles on his behalf. But now when he thought that people would finally come to a place of recognition, they turned further from God than they had been. And he finds the very people that he thought he would be able to most affect by his life lived for God became the least affected. And now they're after him. He finds himself again, as it was even before, running for his life for the things that he's went through. And that's where you find your life. All of us have, and when he saw that. Every person here has a when he saw that times in their life. But it's what we do with those times. Then he said he arose and he ran for his life. Everybody, anybody here ever run for your life? Some of you run to your closet. Some of you run to your house. Some of you run to your car. Whatever it is. But every person here has had that opportunity to run for your life. And that's what Elijah did. He ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. He said, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. I want to tell you, disappointment gives way to discouragement and discouragement gives way to depression and that's what tries to be the cycle in all of our life because when it comes down to the point of depression you will give up on God's future for you the devil has each plan he's the tax that's going on in your life the circumstance the people that's failing you those that you love the most that's falling in front of your eyes those things are being set up because the devil is determined he will bring you to the place to where you will give up on God's future with you. But I'm going to tell you what, somebody here this morning just needs to stand to your feet and let the devil know that you're not going to give up on, the, on the God's plan for your life. You need to say that and declare that and believe that. You need to breathe that. You need to love that. That no matter, you can be seated. I, I just want to, I want, I'll tell you, the Lord loves those responses. Anytime you get a chance to smear it in the devil's face, please smear it in the devil's face. Because whatever the devil is doing against you, you're determined you're not going to give up on God's plan for your life. Amen? All right, then I sat down on the broom tree, and there he prayed he might die. And said, it is enough. Anybody here ever said, it's enough? I can't stand anymore. 
We think that's a New Testament, or we think that's a new uh, term. That term's been here ever since Elijah. Elijah got to that place, and that's what he said. It's enough. I can't stand anymore. And then he said, it's enough. I, now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Verse 5, and as he lay and slept, and that's what depression does, put you to sleep in the midst of your life. And as he lay, if you, if you spend too much time in your bed of depression, you get out of that, and you begin to realize that God's got a life for you. Do not let what the devil's trying to do against you to destroy your life. There's such a strength. I didn't have this in the early service. There's somebody here that God's trying to get your attention that you're just willing to lay down and let the devil just mosey in and take your whole life away. And that God wants you to know that's not his will for you. God wants to help you to stand up against that that the devil's trying to do in your life. You need to grow in this period. You don't let this, you don't let this period of time destroy you. You need to grow in this period of time in your life. Praise the Lord. But he went a, a day's journey and latter part of verse 4, and he prayed that he might die and said, It's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Verse 5 says, Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Verse 7 says, And the angel of the Lord came back to the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. If you're going to be able to move out of this place of discouragement, if you're going to be able to see that that's been sent against you to begin to turn and begin to work for you, then you're not going to be able to do it on your own. It's going to take the strength of God in you. You've got to come to a place to understand. It's going to take the strength of God to turn this difficulty into something good in your life. And God has called us to do that. So, and then he said, because the journey is too great. Verse 8 says, so he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as horror. There's some spirits of discouragement, and, and uh, being a spirit-filled church, uh, it's, it's important that we understand that, that it's, it's more than what you see. There is a world that exists that is more than what you see. That's what being spirit-filled really allows us to do allows us to, to be a New Testament believer in the sense that we, we know that there's more going on than what we see. Some of you have only seen your difficulty, and you fail to realize the angels that God has put around you to help you win this battle. In fact, the Bible says that we that gather here, there's a multitude of angels that's gathered around each one of us. You may be feeling, oh, me, but there's an angel beside you trying to punch you and say, we're going to overcome this thing for the glory of God. I have been sent to help you. I have been sent to help you. God has dispatched plenty of help and plenty of grace for us to overcome in this situation. Amen? Amen. And verse 9 says, wait, verse 8, And so he rose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength for that food 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, he went to the mountain of God. It's the place where God would talk with him. This is the same mountain that Moses, when he was facing so many difficulties in his life, when people were falling, when his own family was even turning against Moses, this is the place that he resorted. And I want you to know, God has called you up. You've you got to come up. I say, I've got to come up. You've got to come up that mountain. You've got to come up that mountain to God. Now, at this time, Elijah was so much out of the will of God. He was far from the will of God. In fact, he was 100 miles from the will of God. Uh, God has called him there, and he finds himself here. And I don't know where God's called you, but that's what discouragement does. God, discouragement drives you from there, wherever it is that God's called you, to here, wherever you are. 
And it's an interesting uh, play on those words, especially when it deals with Elijah. Because when God called Elijah to go to the brook, he called him there to the brook. Use that word there. He called him there. When he called him to go to the house of the little lady, he called him there. But now all of a sudden God comes to Elijah and said, what are you doing here? And I want you to know a lot of times that's the way it is in our life, the discouragement that we have. It drives us out from the will of God, but that's what it was intended to do. But in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to allow this thing to destroy my life. I'm not going to allow somebody's rejection of me to destroy my life. I'm going to believe God. Everybody say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God to turn this thing around for my glory, for God's glory. All right, then he said, he went, then verse 9 says, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Because see, he wasn't called here, he was called there. So the word of the Lord came and said, what are you doing here? (laughs) You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there, the word of will of God is for you. So I don't know where your there is, but God's going to help you get there as you deal with the here. So you're going to deal with this rotten here and now in your life through the power and through the grace of God and through the Word of God. You're not going to deal with it like the world wants you to deal with it. You're not going to deal with it through your feelings. You're not going to deal with it what it looked like. You're going to deal with your rotten here and now through what the Word of God tells you to deal with it. And then all of a sudden this here is going to change to a there. It's going to put you right back into the center of God's will and God's purpose for your life. Amen. He said, what are you, what are you doing here? For, uh, what are you doing here, Elijah? Then Elijah's answer is, so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts. All of a sudden, we find out that Elijah is moved in an area of this discouragement to where that he has been, hasn't been able, evidently, to forgive others. He's still finding fault in others and sees himself as the only right one. And I pray this morning, if that's where the enemy has you, as you see in yourself as the only right one, that God can do a work of grace in your life. Because, see, the first step that God wants us to do to be able to come out of discouragement, the first step is to remember God. The first thing that the enemy tries to do in all of our steps of discouragement is try to get us to forget God. But God says, I want you to remember God. The Bible says, I want you to remember God. The first step that you're going to be able to come up that mountain to finally begin to get back into the will of the Lord where that discouragement has driven you out of the will of God, the first step is to remember God. First thing God wants you to remember about Him is how much He loves you. All of a sudden, see, in the midst of our dilemmas, other people's view of us becomes, it's really the reason it bothers us and hurts us is because we're afraid we're that way. If there's no fear, then someone's estimation of your life, it will mean nothing. But the reason what drives you into the point of discouragement is the point when you think that could actually be right. And all of a sudden, we just simply forget how much God loves us. And we forget how much God cares about us. And we simply forget that we can trust God. The Bible, and I love what David said, said, when I'm afraid, I will trust the Lord. Even in the midst of your fearfulness, even in the midst of what you're afraid of, even in the midst of what you think that you may be, what others have said about you, God says, you're forgetting me. And the Lord says, you can remember me. Now, the Old Testament, New Testament, they're, they're wonderful in the comparison of each other, but the things that they bring out in our life, the Old Testament wants you to react like Elijah. It gives you a physical example, react normally or, or physically or as a human. But all of a sudden, the New Testament puts a higher light on our life. And I'll tell you, the one that the New Testament's pointing at is Jesus. Now, God came to Elijah while he was under that broom tree. Now, if I would have came to Elijah under that broom tree, 
I would have said something like this. You messed up, Elijah. You've gotten out of my will. What are you doing? You're 100 miles off course. You should be back there. You should be standing up to Jezebel, not running from Jezebel. <laughs> That's what I would have dealt with as a human. But God wasn't, it's not like that, is he? In fact, not one time did God point his finger at Elijah. Not one time did he remind Elijah of his failure. Because God realized God is so much in love that, uh, that God re- reveals his love to us. And the example that God wants us to be in our life is not to be like an Elijah, but to be like a God. Be like Him. To be a son of God. The Lord has called us to react to the the pains and the difficulties and and the rejection of life to react differently. Because, see, what had happened is, is Elijah had done to God exactly what Jezebel had done to him. See, Jezebel had driven Elijah out of God's will. And now Elijah's response to God is to get out of God's will. So the rejection that, that Jezebel gave to Elijah is exactly the rejection now that Elijah is giving to God. But notice God's response. God began to say, he began to give him love, nurture. I don't know what you need, but the first thing I think all of us need in the midst of when we face discouragement is we need to let God nurture us. We need to realize that God's grace is in me. And through the grace of God, there's nothing in the world that God and I can't handle. That's why Paul said that he gloried in his weakness. He said, he said Paul said, I can glory in my weakness because it's not my strength I'm dependent on. I'm dependent on God's strength in my life to bring this through. And so what, I don't know what you're depending on in the situation that you're facing this morning, but I want to encourage you that if you will allow and you will just remember God, and you remember how much His strength is going to be in you, that He's not going to let this thing happen if you will trust in Him and begin to nurture yourself out of His overflow. Me nurtured by God. And so what was the response of the Lord? I just said, our response naturally, humanly, Elijah's response would be to poke, poke his finger. That's what he did. When Elijah began to see himself as the only right one, he began to point his finger at everybody else. Now, I want you to say that people have hurt you and people have disappointed you, but there is a different way of dealing with it. There is a different way. If you've been rejected and especially been rejected by people that you really love and people that you really care about, I'm just here to tell you, there is a different way to deal with what you're going through. And God calls us up, and the Lord says to be like Him. In fact, the Bible says in the New Testament, it says, imitate God. Uh, you You know what an imitator is? They act like them until they become like them. <laughs> and that's what God said. And God said, imitate me. And in the process of that working in Elijah's life, God began to nurture him. If you're discouraged this morning, I want you to know, if you stay in that discouragement, that's despite everything that God's trying to do in your life. Because God has not called you to that place of discouragement. God has called you to a place of overcoming that and coming out on the other side of this wilderness and having everything that he's promised you you can have. That's what God's promised you. So if you're going to sit there in the midst of that discouragement, if you're going to sit there in the midst of that pain, but the first thing that God began to do was not point a finger, even though Elijah had rejected God, the first thing that God began to do was to feed and nurture him. And sent an angel to softly talk to him. I want to tell you this morning, if you're here today, if, you've been going, if you went through horrible rejection, and that's, that's life. That is our wilderness. Every one of us, that is our wilderness. It may have been a rejection from a child that's went astray. It may be rejection from a mate that you expected more of. It may be, I mean, rejections run all shapes and sizes. 
But that is your wilderness. And every person here in this, in this believers here today, if you're called of God, you have a wilderness. And you're being led of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God is pushing you into that wilderness. We don't want it. We all, we all pray for good things, not bad things. And I tell you, that's the way we should pray. But I want you to know, God's going to send you face-to-face with the devil that you can prove who God is and how God is, loves you, and cares about you. And so in the process of it, that's what happened. But God immediately began to nurture him. See, God says, just remember me. So the first step to overcoming or coming out of, your, of that is to remember God. Everybody say, I'm going to remember God. I'm going to remember God. I'm going to remember how much He loves me. I'm going to remember how much He cares for me. I'm going to remember God in the midst of that. Amen. In fact, Psalms 50, 15. Boy, don't you love this verse? 50, 15, it says, honor me by trusting in me. That's what God said. Isn't that a wonderful way for God to say it? Honor me by trusting in me. In your day of trouble, cry aloud to me, and I will be there to rescue you. Praise God. Lord said, remember me. So what? Somebody's got their feathers all disturbed about you. So what? Those same people will be singing your praises that's singing your uh, uh, problems now. I mean, people are so fickle, but I'm going to tell you what, there's one that will remain stable in our life, and that's his love for us. No matter what people are thinking about you, you can put your head up this morning and say, I love God and God loves me. Remember God. Powerful verse. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, another powerful verse. It said, don't be afraid. It, I mean, that's all like a command of the Lord. He said, why? And that's why he said to Elijah, he said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? This is not what I meant for you. This is not what I meant for your life. I meant you to be able to handle that discouragement. I meant for you to be able to handle that disappointment. I meant for you to be able to handle it. But then on the other hand, God's not a finger pointer. He's a nurturer. Oh, and I love the Lord like that, that God nurtures us back to health and he gives you enough strength to climb that mountain to get into his presence and he gives you the strength of God to go into that cave and to hear his voice. It's not you that God's expecting to do this. It's God that's offering himself to do this for you. And if you will allow the Lord to do that, then in the end, when you get to that place of there, when you get to the place where God's really called you to you, when you get to the place of the promised land, then it will really bring glory to God. Because as long as you handle this the way you're handling it, this is not going to bring glory. So God cannot bring you into fruition of what he's called you to be. This is training school. Boy, don't you know those, those two-year-olds, everybody has had a two-year-old went through some of the most comical times. That two-year-old, get up and try to walk and it'll fall again. Get up and try to walk and fall again. But that is life. It takes that to grow. It takes, it takes even success and it takes failure. It takes stumping your toe. It takes getting disappointed with people. It takes getting discouraged for God to make us into the people that will finally begin to handle things and put our trust in God. Amen. Amen. So what is happening in all of our lives is trusting in the Lord. Isaiah 41, it says, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Well, isn't that a wonderful word from God? And say, that's what the Lord, remember God. He said, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to hold you up when you're falling down. I'm going to hold you up with my victory. I love what he said. He's victorious right here. 
Give the Lord a clap just for a promise like that. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good promise? That God looks at us. He looks at whatever you're going through. That person that has failed you, has hurt you, fell in front of you, has disappointed you, talked about you, ridiculed you, kicked you out, whatever it is, God's looking at you and said, don't be afraid of that person. Don't be afraid of what they've said about you. Don't be afraid of what they think about you. For I am your God. Don't be discouraged. For I'm going to lift you back up right in front of their eyes. Isn't that a wonderful promise of God? Or it has so many, many powers. First one is to remember God. Second thing is learn to rest in His presence. We've got to learn to just be able to rest in Him. The first thing that God called Elijah to do was to rest. Because I tell you, learning to rest in God, if, I tell you, if we fail to rest in God, we will keep our physical flesh trying to keep resolving our problem forever. I tell you, when it comes to your problem, there appears a time that you must lay it aside and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you in this thing, and I'm going to find the rest that my soul needs for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. In fact, the Bible says that, that he had Elijah really to lay and, sle- and slept under a broom tree, and then suddenly the angel touched him. If you'll learn to rest, you'll find that there will be powerful, supernatural ministry that will begin to happen in your life and on behalf of your situation. If you allow the frustration to stay there, God really can't rescue you. Because that frustration and that anxiety that's been sent against you to try to zap your victory, you've got to hog tie that thing. You've got to put it, you've got to wrap his legs up and leave it laying on the ground. You've got to understand it won't do a thing for me to be anxious. It won't be a thing for me to worry about this. In fact, the number one, very first way that you know that you're discouraged is worry. The very first thing that to realize that you're into a position of being discouraged is you worry. You worry not one day, you worry not two days, you worry not three days, you worry not in the morning, but you're worrying at night, you're worrying. I mean, when you get to a place you're worrying about that thing, you're stopping the power of God from changing that thing in your life. We must come to a place in our life where we just choose to be anxious in nothing, what the Word of God tells us. To be anxious and nothing but by prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known to the Lord. One of the one most precious ladies of this church that prays through this church for a number of years, that I remember that she was going through a, a life, a time of tremendous anxiety. And during that tremendous anxiety that she was under, it was tormenting her whole life. I mean, she had torments from the time she got up from the time she went to bed. And so the Lord put it in my heart and I had to talk with her. And I said, try this. I said, you choose the time that you will think about this and choose not to think about it any other time. You choose the time that you're the strongest, the time that you can think about it in faith. And then you make a choice not to think about it any other time. Well, she made her choice. You know the time she chose? She chose right in the middle of her prayer time. She said, I'm the strongest. She said, I only allowed myself to think about that when I was in prayer. And when I wasn't in prayer, I did not allow that miss myself. I'm going to tell you, that situation became became a miraculous deliverance by that lady that would not let herself be anxious when the anxiety tried to come in on her life. But she chose the time that she would give thought to it. And that was during the time that she was strongest in the Lord. The devil comes at you when you're the weakest. 
And there, when you're the weakest, when you're down and out, he tries to take his javelin, tries to put it in your heart. But you just, you don't let, don't get in the ring with the devil. I mean, people are crazy. I mean, people are crazy. They'll get in the ring with the devil when they're the weakest. I mean, Holy Ghost, Bill, we're slapping them in the face saying, you can handle this, you can handle this, you can handle it. They know I'm on, you know, and they get in the ring with the devil when they're the weakest. Don't be crazy. You choose the time that you walk into the ring. Don't let the devil choose the time that you walk into the ring with him. And you choose the times that you're the strongest and the times that you can stand. Amen. Everybody say resist anxiety. And, and, and you resist it from this very point, Romans chapter 8. It's either believing the word of the Lord. It says, and we know. Everybody say, and we know. There's something about knowing. There's something about knowing. It, when, when Adam had his problem, it's when he quit knowing. He quit knowing. And what I mean is when you quit letting those sweet times with God be a strength in your life, when your life is so full of worry and so full of anxiety that those you've got to allow the rest of the Lord to be a real rest in your heart. And the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, says, and we know. Man, when you know something, and we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God's got a purpose. You may not can see how this battle is going to fit into it, but God's got a plan of how this battle is going to fit into a purpose that God's going to be able to work out in your life. Somebody says, well, I, I can't. I can't deal with these kids anymore. I mean, God's got this crazy stuff going, going on, and I can't deal with it. You've got to find a way to let the grace of God to bring a strength in the midst of your life. You've got to find a way how to rest in the presence of God because unless you do, then the will of God will never be able to happen because probably the will of God is probably going to have you dealing with a lot harder people than what you're dealing with now. And as the, pre- as the will of God works in your life, you will never be able to help other people if you cannot be able to find answers to help yourself. But God can help. Everybody say, God can help us. God can help us, praise the Lord. All right, the next thing, number three, if I'm going to come out of the midst of destruction, I've got to learn to press close into God. You've got two choices. Either this thing's going to run you, run you away from God or this thing's going to run you to God. I mean, you don't, you don't see a way out in either way, but man, honey, let me tell you, it's just better to run to God. Let this that's going, let this pressure, let it press you into God. Let it press you into prayer. There is a peace and there is a joy that God will be able to bring. There's a grace that works out of his presence. Let it push you into God. And that's what Elijah did. He left that pressure. And the Bible says in verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because there's a great journey, and this journey is too great for you. You had to, Elijah had to let God nourish him to where he was able then to climb the mount to the presence of God. There is the presence of God that can take care of this for every one of us. There is a voice that can, there's a, there's a still small voice that came to Elijah. There is a secret whisper that God can bring into all of our lives that will end this turmoil. But unless you have the strength of God to get out of where you are and begin to climb that mountain back to the presence of God. You can try to talk God and being discouraged all you want to, and he's not going to take you up on it. He's just not. God knows better than be discouraged. He knows, he knows, he knows the result of discouragement. 
So what you've got to do, you've got to determine, I'm going to let this thing push me close to God. Amen? Because there is a supernatural provision. Say that with me. There is a supernatural provision. God has provided. He provided supernatural food for Elijah to eat to get into the presence of God. You know, God, I, I, we, we think we've got a lot of excuses, but there's not a person here that's got any excuse that will stand up before God. Because whatever God is asking you to do, He's willing to empower you to do it. He's willing to do that. Anything that He calls you got to do is just stand up and wear the clothes, play the part, imitate Him. That's all you've got to do. That's all any of us have to do. Because God's not asking you to win this battle. He's already won this battle. He just wants you to wear the right clothes with it. He wants you to dress as a victor. And so God's power is that it works. So everybody say there's supernatural provision. The Bible says the angel, the angel. And the angel knew that it, it, would, it took more than one eating. <laughs> it took one. God has nourishment that will help you get to the presence of God that will be able to change the situation. But you've got to take God up on it. You've got to allow God to nourish you. You've got to let this problem to run you close to God. Amen? All right, praise God. And why? Because what God's called you to is so great. Unless you let God remove things out of your dependency, unless you let God move people out of your dependency, Unless you let God move circumstances out of your dependency, you will never fulfill the will of God in your life. Because no matter how close they are to you, they'll never be able to help you do what God's called you to do. They may have a lot of money in the bank, but they can't, they can't fund God's work. You hear what I'm telling you? Whatever it is. And so what you've got to do, you've got to let God... You've got to let people find that place of disappointment. What place of disappointment simply is, they're saying, I'm not God. That's what a place of disappointment is. When you're disappointed in somebody, it's just God bringing them to the realization that they're not God or bringing you to the realization they're not God in your life. And God has to bring every husband in your life. If you're a lady here, God has to bring every husband. God has to bring you to the place to where you, that husband is not God. Somebody said, I know, man, I married him. He's sure not God. Yeah. <laughs> And then, God has, and then God has to also bring every person. Every, God has to do that. And if we will not allow God to do that, then we set other people up in our life to be God, and we can never, ever be able to fulfill the will of God. Amen. God's going to help us. Amen? Everybody say, I'm going to depend on God's grace. Because see, what, what the Lord, what the closeness with God, God's going to cause His love to give you the strength for forgiveness. Because first thing usually happens is, is when we come against or, or when we are disappointed, discouraged, it moves us out of the, of the will of God. Now, it, it does. Man, teachers stop teaching, preachers stop preaching, singers stop singing, people's friendly stop being friendly. I mean, man, it moves you out of the will of God. I mean, you start treating your wife like a dish rag instead of treating her like the queen that she is, and he, she starts treating you like bozo instead of treating you like the major person you are. The first thing that discouragement does, you're disappointed. The first thing that happens is it moves you out of the will of God. And the first thing that has to happen is you have to find forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry that I'm 100 miles from where you called me to be. I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you what, God's nurture will help you do that. The supernatural grace of God will help you find that place. And then number two, 
God's got to, God's grace will help you not only forgive yourself, but God's grace is going to help you to forgive God. Now, there's probably not a person here this morning that would say, oh, I blame God. But, but there, we would find many people, if we was, could stand before some kind of a Holy Ghost uh, uh, x-ray machine, and we found that a lot of people are there blaming, but God, why did you ever let that happen? Lord, why did you ever take your eyes off me? God, why did you? And they have this blame toward God. But I'm going to tell you, if you allow the nurture of God, God's going to help you to quit blaming Him. All of a sudden, you're going to see the real culprit in your life. And you're going to find out His, his, his name is not spelled G-O-D, but something like D-E-V-I-L. And you're going to find out the real culprit in your life. As you're able, and then God will empower you, because as long as you blame God, blame is in the wrong direction. So you must come to a place to where you don't blame God. You may not understand things, honey. You may things may be all crossed up. You may feel like I, I serve God. And people say this a lot. I paid my tithe for two weeks and I still owe the light bill. I mean. <laughs> uh, you got to come. God's grace will help you. God's grace will help you to come out of that position of blaming God. Because God's building you for the third great forgiveness. That's why it takes being close to God. You've got to let this problem drive you close to God because out of it would come number three, and that's you're going to be able to forgive those who failed you. And that's the hard one. But it's important, and God explained it to me like this. Do you know where judgment, who has, judge, who has the, right judge, the right to judge? The Bible says leave judgment to him. Judgment belongs to God. Any time that I judge somebody, even that fails me and hurts me and is all kind of wrong against me, when I judge them, what I mean, I condemn them. When I do that, when I judge them in condemnation, when I condemn them, I rob God. Now, Donald and Thelma, for years, they've told us what happens if we rob God. Lord knows we don't want to be caught in that category. But when I judge people, I rob God because judgment belongs to him. Judgment is not mine. Judgment is His. So when I judge people, I rob, I become a little thief of God. And the Bible tells us that if we're a thief and a robber, honey, it's not going to be good things that happen. It's going to be some bad things coming down that pipe. So we must come to a place to where that we leave the judgment to God. I'm going to say only the grace of God. Only the grace of God is going to help you to be able to forgive somebody that betrayed you, did you wrong left you standing out in the cold. Only, only God's grace can help you do that. And only being snuggled up close to God in His presence can you have the... I tell you, the presence of God, Sister Thelma and I was talking about this over the last few days, only the presence of God can do things in your life that nothing else can do. As you learn to just know, as you learn to let things say, Lord, I forgive them. I don't feel forgiveness. I don't, I don't think, I can't thank my way into this forgiveness. They did me wrong, so God, I'm ready for you to burn them and get them out of my way. But, Lord, I come, I come, Lord, as much as I can. I'm going to snuggle up in your presence. I'm going to forgive them. Because when I'm forgiving them, I'm going to release them. I'm going to release them into hand. I'm going to quit robbing judgment from you. I'm going to give you the right to work in their life for the glory of God. Amen. So we just determined that. Amen. It's the power to forgive ourselves, power to forgive others. and, and power. The, the next thing that God calls us to do if we're going to get is to correct our thoughts. And this one we'll close with. We won't take the other three today. It's to correct our thoughts. I must learn to think the thoughts of God. 
I must learn the Word of God to become a basis to my thoughts of life. If not, my life is going to be filled. You can't get your mind clean, man. You can't forget about what somebody's done to you. You can't forget about how horrible they've talked about you. You can't forget what the devil said about you and what he's called you. You can't forget about your failures. You can't. See, we don't have the power to do that. But God said, I can be transformed. I can be miraculously changed. And the miraculous change in my life will not come until I allow him to bring change in my thinking. And I'm the one that controls that. I can resist that. I can fight against that. I can resist God. You can't forgive people. You can never feel that forgiveness until you begin to think right thoughts about that person. And the right person is that, is they're human. They failed. But the right thoughts is, I've expected them to be more to me than that. Until you begin to replace stinking thoughts with good smelling thoughts. Now, I don't take a lot of theology to tell you what's stinking and what's good smelling, does it? But until I allow God to replace my wrong thinking, I have, to, I, have to, I have to face my wrong thinking about what I'm going through. The Bible told me not to be discouraged. So I've got to replace that. I've got to take that scripture. I've got to take scripture symbol. I've got to allow the Word of God to become my thinking. And that's not an easy thing, thing to do. I must put the Word of God in my heart. And I must allow my memory to bring that word of God up until it changes the way I think about my situation. All of a sudden, it's not the hardest situation I ever went through. It becomes the time that I had God's grace then more than I ever had. Anger, your precious family is walking through that right now. Is that Judah? Hey, Judah. Man, I, I kept looking over there at you. I could figure out who's that, who's that guy sitting by Inga? I've been to be a big brother in her life. You know what I mean? It's been a hard time. But the truth of the matter is, this has been a time that God's grace has been allowed to work in y'all's life. And God's power has been at work. You've got to begin. You've got to develop right thoughts about what you went through. I mean, as long as you think that they did you wrong and they're going to stop the will of God in your life, then literally there's nothing that God can do to help you. Because you are the gatekeeper of your mind. You've got to allow that gate to swing open and say, Lord, I'm going to think differently about what I went through. Because what I went through has brought me through today. And truly what you've went through, what the way you think about it, is what has caused those feelings to live in you. If you want to change the way you feel about your dilemma, then you must begin to change the way you think about it. You've got to begin to see, and you've got to begin to use. If you're going to change the way you you've got to become a rejoicer instead of a complainer. You've got to learn to take the Word of God and to rejoice in the Word of God. Say, God's going to bring me through this. There needs to be a brand new song on your lips. And this brand new song is, God's not going to fail me. He's going to bring me through. Now, if, if I could sing, I would sing it for you, but I can't. So, so I'm just snapping my fingers. And I'm doing a... But...
<laughs> God's going to bring you through. Oh, I tell you what, if you, if you could just hear in my mind the beautiful song I'm really singing. When I get to heaven, man, am I going to have a voice? Woo! Woo! Some of you don't want to miss heaven because you don't want to miss my voice. <laughs> but you've got to change the way you're thinking about your situation. And then you've got to change the way you're thinking about you. Because that's the first person that you had to forgive, see? You've got to begin to change the way you're thinking. You've got to allow yourself that place for failure, but allow yourself to be forgiven. And I'm not the man I used to be. And God's doing something wonderful in my life. And sure, I've fallen many a time, but, but every time God's picked me up, I'm going to think differently about it. You've got to learn to think differently about you. And then number three, you've got to learn to think differently about God. The fear that it brought just showed that you lack trust in God. You've got to begin to think differently about God. I love Andre Crouch. I love his, he's with the Lord now. I love his song, God's Never Failed Me Yet. God's Never Failed Me Yet. God's Never Failed Me Yet. You've got to develop a word-based theology about God. You need to get the names of God. And there's about 50 some odd different names of God that relate to what he, you can always trust Him to be. Now it's all tied up in that word, one name, Yeshua, or the one name, Jesus. And there's seven major names that reveal to you who God always is in your life. And you have to regain right thoughts about God. And then the third thing is you have to regain right thoughts about that one that failed you. Because God wants to redeem something that only His blood can do. God wants to rework something that only His blood can do. So if you're going to change the way you feel about that person, or you've got to change the way you think about that person, you've got to some way give them an excuse for failing. That's hard to say. I've been hurt like you've been hurt. I've been wounded like you've been wounded. It's hard to say, I've got to give them an excuse for failing. But that's what Jesus did. That's the way he handled it. Remember when he was on the cross? You remember they, all the things they did to him? Remember they pierced him? They beat him? They put the, the, the thorns in his brow? They mocked him? When he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If I'd been there, I want to say those lousy devils knew exactly what they was going to do. God burn them. But see, that's not the way. But Jesus had different thinking. And so I must allow God to change my thinking, to correct my thinking about the people that failed them. And if I will allow God to do these things, the grace of God, then I'm going to find myself walking into that cave. And then the Spirit of God began to call me. And I'll walk out to the face of that cave just like Elijah did. And all of a sudden, there come a strong wind. But God wasn't in the wind. Or really, let me say it this way. The way I needed God could no longer be found in the wind. There was a time that the fire was what Elijah needed when it came down. But now the fire was there and it wasn't 
he had to have a deeper he had to have a deeper expression of God if he was going to make it over this if he was going to come out of that thing if he was going to make it over that battle he had to have something deeper something bigger something stronger than he'd ever had before so the Bible said the wind came the fire came the earthquake came and they'd all been expressions of God in the past that's where Elijah had found him. He could tell you about the, he could tell you about the God of the earthquake. He could also tell you about the God of the fire. He could also tell you about the God of the wind. But God had to pull him into that cave. And the Bible calls it a still small voice. In the original language, what it means? A faint whisper. And that faint whisper changed Elijah's life forever for the glory of God a faint whisper so I don't know what it is that you need I don't know how deep this issue is it may be the deepest issue of your whole life and God may let you see you won't be able to find him in the fire as you did in the past you won't be able to find him in the wind as you did in the past because God's calling you into a deeper place to where you can have a greater measure of Him than you've ever had before. And out of that greater measure, God will be able to handle your dilemma and God will be able to change that circumstance. So Lord, we just give you praise now. Lord, we just want to thank you. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're working in all of our lives, Lord, that you're bringing us beyond our difficulties, that you're changing us, Lord. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us into the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to change our thinking, Lord. To radically be able to change the way that we've dealt with situations in the past, Lord. And Lord, to begin to accept that I didn't deal with that right, so I'm going to deal with it differently. For us to see the failure of dealing with things like we did in the past, Lord, and we say, Lord, I'm going to deal with it differently. I need your grace, Lord, to to walk in that thing and to deal with that thing different than I ever have. Lord. If this speaking to somebody this morning, if it is, I want you to just stand. If you say, Jerry, this is talking to me. I, I want the Spirit of the Lord. If, if God has given you some answer or something in the midst of your dilemma, and the Holy Spirit is like that, the Holy Spirit pinpoints people to speak to them and to bring change. Now, I want you that are standing, I want you to just raise your little paws, raise your little hands toward the, toward the Lord, and I want you to just say, Lord... I've come today to receive from you. I ask you to take, Lord, everything that the Spirit of God has spoke to me today. And do not let me forget it, Lord, but cause me, Lord, cause me to not only be a hearer of the Word, but cause me to be a doer of the Word. And I receive by faith the grace of God to bring about the change that you're needing to do in my life to bring me into the promised land. Lord, I'm tired of this stinking wilderness. I'm ready to move on in life. I'm ready to move on and to become the person that you call me to be. And Lord, today I receive that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is our closing prayer. We're going to sing with Stephen. As we sing this, then we can be dismissed. God bless you.